I missed being with you all last week. Uh, my family's away for just a brief vacation, but thanks to Pastor Lindsay for doing such an awesome job of delivering God's Word as we are in this series called In Plain Sight, in which we're talking about how God uh, is in everyday life. If we keep our eyes open, we can see God at work in our own lives, just like God was at work back in the biblical days. And so uh, each week we're going to be looking at one particular object that Jesus would have encountered uh, on his way to Jerusalem uh, to die on the cross for us as we are heading into Easter. Uh, we're in the season of Lent. That's the 40-day period that leads into Easter. It's a time for us to reflect about our relationship with Christ, think about what that looks like, and find out, well, where is God in my life? How can I see God at work in my life? And so today, as we've talked about earlier, uh, we're going to be talking about a cross. What does the cross mean? What does it mean for us in our own lives? So I'm glad you're here today and so excited to dive into God's Word this morning. So about nine years ago, when we were in our old campus, which was on this very same site, but it looked a lot different, uh, when folks came in for worship in the traditional sanctuary, uh, this is what they were greeted by. Let me do a, a second picture, a close-up. An electric chair, right? Kind of spooky, right? Uh, and somebody in, the, in our worship team made this next slide for me. Um, it was a uh, kind of a necklace of an electric chair. Like, what's Pastor Kyle? Has he lost his mind? What, what's going on here, right? So my message that day was also on the cross. And uh, in our culture, a lot of us wear crosses as necklaces. Uh, some of us have them on bracelets. Uh, we get tattooed with crosses, that kind of thing. And uh, a lot of those sometimes can be expensive, gold or platinum, silver. Uh, there's some edgy crosses that people try to sell to, like, teenagers or people who think they're really cool and hip, which is, that's fine, too, as well. So we've kind of we've sanitized the cross. We've cleaned it up a little bit. And so on our building right out here in our current campus, there's a 70-foot-tall cross because we want everybody in our community to know uh, that we follow Jesus uh, and that he died on the cross for us. But the reason that I had that electric chair sitting uh, in the middle of a sanctuary to worship God uh, was to remind us of just the brutality of what Jesus went through for us. Um, and I think sometimes we miss that. We've kind of gotten comfortable with the cross. What if you came to church today or you're driving by outside? Instead of a 70-foot uh, tall cross, there was a 70-foot tall electric chair, right? Or if someone gave you an electric chair on a, on a, a bracelet or a, a necklace slide to wear. Right, or you drove by and we had like a 70-foot-tall syringe right, for like a lethal injection. Um, or what if we had a 70-foot-tall noose hanging outside the church? People are like, what are you doing? Like, are y'all evil people? Do you want to torture people? Do you want people to die? Like, what are you all about? Right? So in the first century, for followers of Jesus, to elevate a cross just made no sense. Seemed kind of sick, kind of foolish, kind of like twisted, like what's going on? Because in the first century, the cross was truly uh, an image of terror, right? The Roman government used the image of the cross, right, to, to punish people who went against them, who were criminals, right? Or it was a deterrent. Like if you want to think about breaking the law, think again because this is what's going to happen to you. Right? So as we think about the cross, the first century, right, it was just this heinous thing. And so uh, before someone was put up on the cross, they were usually flogged or whipped. Right? Jesus was, uh, was flogged. He was whipped. And so in the, in the Roman era, kind of, they had like a whip, and it had like, like nine different le uh, leather cords to it. And it had like bone fragments and metal fragments. And so they would whip somebody 
up to like 39 times, right? Just beat them, senseless, bleeding, all that kind of stuff. Then they would make you carry like the cross beam, the horizontal part. They put it on your back. It's a heavy kind of thing. And you had to walk through crowds of people to be humiliated. And they're falling down doing that. And then they nail you to, to that, and they hoist you up on, on the big uh, vertical part of that, right? So they would nail the hands. Usually it's probably the wrist or maybe the forearms to the cross. Uh, they would nail the legs to the cross, maybe sideways through the heel, or the, it would be around the pole, and they go through each heel on the side. Uh, you know, Jesus was stabbed with a spear in the side. Uh, and the way that people died on a cross, they'd be up there for hours, maybe days. Uh, and ultimately they would just suffocate. Right? The way that you hung on the cross was a way to make you just not be able to breathe, right? So heinous, deadly, horrendous, right? Again, like having a noose on the church or an electric chair on the church, right? Why did Jesus allow himself to be killed on a cross? All right, let's look at that. Let's go into the scripture today. And we're going to begin with Philippians. This is written by uh, a first century pastor named Paul who writes this. He's talking about Jesus who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality God with something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus left heaven become a human being, still was God, but also became a, a weak, vulnerable human being. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, right, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, right? So Jesus left heaven. He became a human being. He allowed himself to die, and not just die in any way, right? He allowed himself to die in probably the most painful way to die in the history of existence, right? Why would Jesus come and do that? He did it because he wants to make things right between you and God. Right? So Jesus came because people, like you and me, are created in God's image, and that's very good, and there's lots of goodness inside of us. There's goodness in you, and you do good things all the time, and God loves that. But God also gave us the ability to make choices, right? And so sometimes we choose poorly. Sometimes we do things that are wrong, that hurt other people, that hurt ourselves. And the Bible uses the word sin, which means to miss the mark, right? We miss the mark that God wants us to aim at, and so we hurt other people. And because of that, we experience guilt and we experience shame. Uh, we will die one day because humanity has been cut off from the tree of life. Uh, and we also experience what the Bible calls hell, but I think a better translation of that is brokenness. We're broken in our relationship to God. We're broken in our relationship to each other. We're broken in our relationship to ourselves. And so Jesus saw that, and he's like, that's not what I intended. That's not what I created people to do. I want them to live a life that is full of joy and peace and happiness and, and live life to the full on the earth and live forever with me in the kingdom of heaven. And so that's why Jesus came down. And he, he died on a cross so that those wrong things that we do, the sin, can be forgiven. Right? Our guilt and shame can be taken away and replaced with joy and peace, and we can live life on the earth to the full, and we can live forever in the kingdom of heaven. Right? So Jesus faced death on a cross for you and me. And that's good news for us, but it wasn't good news for Jesus. It was heinous. Right? And so when we see those crosses, I know it, it, it brings good feelings to us, because, and it should because of what Jesus did. But this season of Lent, sometimes we just need to take an honest look and say that cross for Jesus was bad news. It was bad news, but he did that for me. Jesus, obedient to death on a cross. And so... 
just wondering today, as we think through the cross in our lives, right, Jesus did that to be life-giving to other people. What could you be doing as a follower of Jesus to be life-giving to other people? Right? How many people in here probably have someone who would die for you because they love you so much? Right? That's pretty special, isn't it? Right? What can we do to be life-giving for others? I'm sure like if you're a parent or a grandparent and you had the opportunity to save your child or your grandchild's life, you would give up your life to do that, absolutely. I know some of you would die for your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You would die for your spouse. You'd die for your brother or your sister. You'd die for a parent. Right? We, we would give up our lives for other people if, if there was no other choice. But are we also willing to live for other people? Right, to invest in them with our time, to invest in them with our, our attention. Are we invest in someone by speaking a truth that's hard for them to hear? Right? What would you be doing, willing to do to be as life-giving to other people as Jesus was for us on the cross? And maybe it's somewhere we start small. Right? Maybe it's you're the first one to apologize after you have an argument with someone, even when you might be wrong. Maybe you're kind to someone who cuts you off in traffic, right? And you just give them the grace of God. Maybe you're a generous tipper to a waiter or a waitress who doesn't deserve it, right? What does it mean to be life-giving to other people, right? Jesus was so life-giving. What does it look like for us as followers of Jesus to be life-giving to others? Let's keep going and see what we learn about uh, Jesus and the cross. We can go to our next scripture from Colossians 1.17. Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This passage of Scripture talks about being reconciled uh, through the cross, right? Being reconciled through the cross. Jesus came to make things right between us and God. Jesus came to make things right between us and one another. A couple of weeks ago, we had a young lady come to our church right here in South Park. Uh, she was late teens, maybe early 20s, and she was in trouble. Uh, she came in, she didn't have her wallet, she didn't have a phone, she was at the, her wit's end. And so our administrative assistant who uh, serves faithfully here, her name is Robin, uh, met with this young woman, was able to get her a, a place to stay for the night, uh, and found out what her mom's phone number was, gave her mom a call. Her mom lives in Gastonia, which is about an hour or so away from here. And this young lady and her mom had been estranged, they hadn't talked in a long time, this young woman was living with her boyfriend in an abusive relationship. She kind of got out of that, but then she was imprisoned by someone else against her will, and she just escaped from that situation, hitchhiked to Charlotte, and found her way to this Christian church. Uh, and through the love uh, of our administrative assistant, Robin, helping her find a place to live, reconnecting her to her mom, she went home. And she began the reconciliation process, right? That's what Jesus wants from us to be made right, be made right to God and be made right to other people. And so God's working in our lives to try to reconcile relationships. Now, sometimes that's not going to happen until we are in the glorious kingdom of heaven. But sometimes, like with this young lady who came to our church, God works miracles in plain sight through the love of Jesus. Who might God be calling you to be reconciled with? through the power of Christ. Let's see what else the Bible teaches us about the cross. This again is from Paul to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. So to some people, the cross is foolish 
right? The foolishness of the cross and to others of us, it's the power of God. You know, when Jesus came to the earth to first century Israel, the people of Israel were pretty much um, in bondage to the Roman government. Rome ruled all of the Western world at that time, and they ruled Israel, and so Israel was not self-ruling, and they hated it. And they looked back a thousand years before to when they ruled themselves and they had a great king. His name was David and he was an awesome religious leader. He was a political military leader and Israel did the best that it ever did as a kingdom under King David. And so they were looking for someone to come and be like King David, to be their savior, their messiah. The Bible predicted someone's going to come and do all that kind of stuff. And, and so Jesus shows up as the messiah but he's a little different than expected, right? He's not this grand king. He's not this great politician. He's not a military leader. Right? What kind of a Messiah is Jesus? He's a carpenter. He's an everyday person, right? And, and does he lead a revolt with spears and, and military stuff and chariots? No. What does Jesus do? He dies on a cross. A complete loser, right? His, his followers were like fishermen, blue-collar workers. They were tax collectors. People didn't like them, right? And they deserted him when he needed them the most, right? Jesus was a loser. He picked a bunch of losers to follow him. And people were like, so this is the Messiah? This is the one who's supposed to save us? This is ridiculous. But to those of us who have been saved by Jesus, it's the power of God. And we realize that God works in ways that we don't expect. That in the perfect powerlessness of Jesus, the power of Christ really shone through, right? It's that sacrificial, vulnerable love. Jesus did the unthinkable, right? Even today, Jesus kind of blows our mind with expectations. Like when somebody does something wrong to us, what's our first in inclination, right? We want to get them back, right? We want to get revenge. We want to make sure that they're held accountable, right? We want to we you know, turn the tables on them. But, but Jesus comes and he teaches us, like when someone hurts you, forgive them. Right? Pray for your enemies. Pray for people who persecute you. Right? Jesus, right, to the world seems foolish, but to those who love and follow and have discovered Jesus, it's the power of God. The power of God made through weakness. Are you willing to be a fool for Jesus? What does that look like in your life? Let's keep going with the cross. Uh, this time Mark's gospel. Uh, chapter 8, 34. Then Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Right? If you want to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me. Right? A lot of times we see Jesus and we hear about life to the full. Like, I'm on board with that. We hear about being forgiven, losing our guilt and shame. I'm good with that, right? We talk about life after death and resurrection, all that. I'm great with that. Like, all that stuff is true, and it's awesome, and it's, it's why a lot of us are probably here, right? It's all true, and we should celebrate that. We should claim that. We should own that, right? But Jesus also says there's a cost in following me. If you really want to be my disciple, right, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And that's not as inviting, right? That's the kind of stuff like, well, yeah, I'd love to have all the good stuff. I just don't want to go through the, the hard stuff. So what does it mean to take up your cross and follow Jesus? A lot of times we think it's like when bad things happen to us in our lives, this is our cross to bear. Like I get a, a terminal illness. 
uh, or something goes wrong with me physically, right? Or I have a tragedy in my life. Like that's a cross for me to bear. Now, those things are burdens and they are hard and they're terrible, right? And, and God is with us to try to deal with the hard things that come. But I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. I think taking up the cross is... It's, it's discomfort, it's challenge when we choose to follow Jesus, right? So maybe an example would be if I got malaria because I went on a mission trip to Haiti and as I was serving God there, that would probably be taking up the cross to follow God. It was a result of my action of trying to be a faithful disciple of Jesus, Right, if I'm at school and the crowd is making fun of somebody and they're bullying him and yeah, I'm going to take a risk to say you need to stop that, leave this kid alone, right? that's taking up the cross to follow Jesus. It's putting myself in a discomforting position, going against the crowd, going to be made fun of. They might turn on me and start to bully me. Right? That's taking up the cross to follow Jesus, to deny ourselves, not what I want but what God wants. Right? And to take up our cross and follow Jesus. How does God want me to spend my money? Right? Should I buy a lot of cool stuff that I want for me? Or would it make sense for me to use some of my money to feed somebody who's hungry and doesn't have food for themselves? Take up your cross and follow Jesus. How should I spend my time? Should I be playing video games 24-7, right? Or going out and partying all the time? Or should I take some time and maybe go to church and worship Jesus? Or go serve somewhere and, and share the gospel of Christ, right? What does it mean to serve God with my time, to serve God with my money? Yesterday, Saturday, our ministry uh, for our children, Explorers Ministry, uh, went to, to do uh, some volunteering in our community. Uh, now think about it. These are kids who are fifth grade and younger. It's Saturday. They've been in school all week. And what does a, a kid usually do on Saturday after being in school all week? We sleep late, right, which is great. Uh, we want to go outside, run around, and play. Baseball season just started for young people, right? So we've got some baseball practices coming up. There are video games. There's movies, right? Yesterday's a beautiful day to be outside. There's all kinds of things to do on Saturday, which is great, and you should do things like that. Right? But our ministry uh, leader, Savannah, decided like, this is a good day for us to go and do something for other people. So uh, set up this trip in Matthews to a place called Bright Blessings, which is a nonprofit that throws birthday parties for children in our community who cannot afford to have a birthday party. Right? Do you know that last year they helped 27,000 students, children in our community have a birthday party that could not have one for themselves? Right? Now the sad thing is, that there's 27,000 kids that can't afford to have birthday parties, that have cake and to have presents and to have someone say, hey, I love you, like you're important. The other sad thing is that they, they had to say no to people beyond 27,000 because they just ran out of supplies and stuff. Like there's just this huge need. And so a group from our church went yesterday to Bright Blessings of Saturday morning during all the cartoon time, the video game time, the baseball time, went and wrapped presents and colored bags for the gift bags. Uh, were there giving up this time, taking up their cross to follow Jesus. And it was beautiful to see those, our kids' faces and the parents who were there. And they had a great time, right? So taking up the cross sounds hard, but sometimes it comes with these benefits of, wow, we're making a difference, we're having a good time together, and we just can't wait to see, right, in our mind, picturing when these kids open these gifts up that we were a part of sharing the love of God. What does it mean in your life to deny yourself, to take up your cross, 
and to follow Jesus. And what ways might you find that you're surprisingly blessed when you do that? How do we spend our time? How do we spend our money? What are we willing to give up for Christ? Let's keep going and see what else Jesus teaches us. From Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I think the writer of Hebrews is saying when we take up our cross and follow Jesus and we find that it's hard and we want to give up and we want to quit and we say, why is this stuff happening to me? Then we look to our example of Jesus. Right? Jesus did it. He got through it. He made a difference. It's hard for me right now, but I'm not alone in this. Right? Look to the cross. Right? We want to look to the cross. We want to say that Jesus did it, right? And I'm in an uncomfortable position. God's with me, right? We're in the season of Lent. This is 40 days that lead into Easter Sunday. Uh, And Christians around the world have a tradition usually during the season of Lent to give up something that's important to them uh, on behalf of Jesus, right? And so for some people uh, who follow Jesus, like, I'm going to give up coffee for Lent, right? Uh, I'm going to give up TV. I'm going to give up video games for Lent. Some people give up vices. I'm going to give up cussing for Lent. I'm going to give up smoking for Lent. I'm going to give up drinking for Lent, right? Whatever it is, we're going to say, Jesus, you're more important than this, this thing that has an influence on me in my life, right? And when, during those 40 days when I'm really missing the TV that I want to be watching or I'm missing the coffee that I want to be drinking, I'm going to stop and I'm going to remember that Jesus gave up his life for me and I'm going to be glad for that. And when I have that craving to do whatever it is that I've given up, I'm going to spend that time with Jesus. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to help somebody out. Right? That is a practice of Lent. And so if you, if, if you haven't done that, I would just maybe invite you to consider that. Right? There's still time left in Lent to do that. Uh, it's not to get bonus points or brownie points to go to heaven faster or anything like that. It's just between you and God. And just see what that could do for you in your life. It's a spiritual practice until Easter Sunday and just see what happens. So my youngest son, Nathan, who's 11, asked me, Dad, are you giving up something for Lent? I said, yeah, Nathan, I'm going to give up something for Lent. He's like, what is it? I told him what it is. He's like, there's no way you can do that. There's no way you love this too much. You love to do that. He's like, how are you going to do that? I said, well, it's going to be hard, but when I do that, I'm going to think about Jesus. I'm going to think about the sacrifice. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship. I'm going to use it as a time to focus on God because that's what this is about. And Nathan said, well, I'll help you. If I see you cheating, I'm going to tell God, right? (laughs) So I've got a little helper to do that, right? When we're taking up our cross and we're following Jesus and it's hard and it's difficult, then look to the cross and say, you know what? Jesus did it. He's with me and I'm going to be faithful to what God has called me to do. Look to Jesus when you're in a hard time, when you're carrying your cross and that burden seems so overwhelming. You're not by yourself. Christ is with you. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? I think this is ultimately what it is. Jesus died for us on the cross so that we may be saved. Jesus died this heinous death on a cross so that you and I can be saved from sin and guilt and shame and death and hell. Jesus died on a cross for us so that we can be saved for life to the full in Jesus in this world, for joy and for peace, right, for the forgiveness of sins, and forever in the glorious kingdom of heaven. Jesus died for us on the cross so that we may be saved, right? Now, the key word there is may. 
He's not going to force you. You still have a choice. Jesus is not going to force you. You still have, you have to choose. Say, Jesus, thank you for what you did. I appreciate that. I love you. I want you to be in my life. I want to leave the, the bad stuff in my life behind. Come and live in me. Forgive me. Give me life to the full, Lord. Right? So just invite you to think about a couple of action steps. Maybe pick one or two of these as we think about our response to the cross. Uh, one, be reconciled through Jesus. Right, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for coming back to life. Please forgive me of the wrong things that I've done. I want to turn away from that. I want you to turn to you. Come and live in me. Right? Save me, Lord. Save me from guilt and shame and death and sin and hell. Save me for life to the full. Save me for life forever and eternity. Right? Receive Jesus. Right? What he did for us on the cross. Right? Another thing that we can do, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Right? What does God want for you with how you spend your time? What does God want for you with how you spend your money? What does God want for you in how you live relationships, right? Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Be foolish for Jesus, right? We talked about that. The world sees us as foolish, right? You're giving money to a God you can't see. You're giving time to a God that you can't see. What does that mean? Are you forgiving people who have done harm to you, right? Be a fool for Jesus, right? And then look to the cross, when you're in a hard spot, you're doing the right thing, you're following Jesus, it's very difficult. Hang in there. God's with you. Jesus is with you, right? One thing that, uh, as we think about looking to the cross, guys, I skipped over this. Let's go back to that slide. The difference between a cross and a crucifix. Um, can you guys bring that slide up? So a lot of times we wear a cross, right, um, that has just the, the blank cross, you guys flip back to that. I know I jumped out of order, right? So we've got the cross, right? But there's also a crucifix, right? And so uh, in the Roman Catholic Church, a lot of times you'll see Jesus on the cross. That's the crucifix. In a lot of Protestant churches or evangelical churches, you just see the blank cross, right? They're both faithful. They're both great. They're both acceptable, right? For like in our tradition, uh, we have the cross because we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. He gives us victory over sin and death and hell and all that stuff, and it's awesome. But the Roman Catholic Church, all right, and some other denominations, want to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, right? And so during the season of Lent, maybe we, we might want to picture Jesus on the cross to say, you know what, when I'm suffering, when I'm hurting for Jesus, I'm not doing that alone. He was on the cross as well, right? Again, these are both faithful representations, right? But when we look to the cross, we can look to the victory of Jesus. We can also look to the suffering of Jesus, especially when we're suffering. So we gave you guys a cross today. Um, hope you got one. Get one on the way out if you don't have one. Um, just keep that with you. Stick it in your Bible. Carry it with you. Put it on your desk. Um, especially during the season of Lent leading into Easter. What does this cross mean to you? What does this cross mean to you? This everyday object, Jesus in plain sight. Right? When we wear it on our neck, that's faithful. Right? We wear it on our bracelet, that's faithful, whatever. We have it tattooed on our body, that's faithful. Right? What does this cross mean to you, especially in light of what we discussed from the scriptures today? One more, one more passage of scripture I want to close with today. This is from Mark 15. This is as Jesus is literally on the cross. He's up on the cross. He's being crucified. Uh, and this is what happened. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. Right? So Jesus is dying. He's been whipped. 
he's suffocating, he's hurting because of all the nails in his body, spear in his side, broke his legs, all that kind of stuff. And then on top of that, there are people who are jeering at him. They're trash talking. They're taunting him. Oh, so you're the Messiah? You're the Savior? You're this big guy, right? If you're really who you say you are, then come down off that cross and show us your power, right? If you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God, you're Jesus, and get off the cross and do something about it. And they're, of course, thinking he's not going to do that, that he's just a loser, he's a lunatic, right? and he's getting what he deserves. Right? Why is it that people can be so cruel to others who are suffering? Right? You couldn't suffer anymore physically at all. Right? Emotionally, he's been abandoned by the people that love him. Right? How is it that people can be so cruel in the face of suffering? Right? You know, as a follower of Jesus, what I, what I would like to have seen in my life is for Jesus to say to those taunting people, oh, so you don't think I can do it, right? I would have loved to have seen Jesus come off the cross, right, kind of come down and bring the angels down from heaven, kind of like Superman coming off the cross or Batman or Wonder Woman saying, oh, you want to see something, right? Jesus coming off the cross, start kung fu kicking these guys, right? And say, I'll show you coming. I'm bringing lightning down from heaven. Like, you want to see me coming off the cross? I'm coming off the cross, that's how Hollywood would have written the end of it, right? But Jesus stayed on the cross. He could have come off the cross. He could have done all that. But why did he stay on the cross? You know what else he did? He said, God, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He forgave the people who were taunting him. He forgave the people that nailed him to the cross. He he forgave the religious leaders who set him up. He forgave the Romans who ordered his death sentence. He forgave his disciples who ran away from him. He forgave the faithful women who were at the foot of the cross right there with him in the midst of this. And he looked forward to all humans, including you and me, so that he could forgive you and me. Jesus didn't come off the cross because he doesn't want anyone to stay broken. Jesus didn't come off the cross because he doesn't want you to stay broken. Jesus did not come off the cross because he loves you and he gave you everything for you. Jesus died for us on the cross so that we may be saved. Be saved by Jesus and receive this gift that Christ gave us from the cross. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.